This is the Cancer Radio Network. Coming up on this episode of the Colon Cancer Podcast, presented by Coloplast. You have all these questions, and sure, I mean, you have the oncologists and the nurses and stuff to ask these questions to, but they're not going to tell you how to emotionally handle your marriage or your friendships or, you know, how to tell your kids or, you know, what's normal to feel and what's not. And these people in these support groups have been in your shoes and if not they've been in it you know a year prior so they can walk you through it and then someone else is going to come in the group that is where you were when you started and now you're able to give advice and you know that kind of you know gives you like oh hey you know I'm here to help someone else too and you know makes you feel good and gives you that extra fight as well at the same time um to you know not only are you needing help but you're also able to give that help to someone else Welcome to the Colon Cancer Podcast, presented by Coloplast, offering stories of information, inspiration, and hope to those affected by colorectal cancer. I'm Lee Silverstein. Welcome to Episode 61 of the Colon Cancer Podcast, presented by Coloplast. Thank you so much for joining me and more thank yous. And that thank you is from me to all of you and this amazing community that we're all a part of, though we're not a part of it by choice. I was honored and humbled to be recognized by the Colon Cancer Alliance as their volunteer of the quarter for the work, uh, mostly around this podcast and I don't look at it as my recognition. I look at it more as recognition of the work we're all doing together to beat this disease. It's hard. It's not easy. And your willingness, all of the guests, which exceed 70 at this point, including today's episode with uh, Riley Castro. I'll be talking about Riley in a minute. Your willingness to share your story as a way to provide information, inspiration, and hope to others has allowed this podcast to get to where it is today, and that recognition really comes from all of you. So I think the thank you should go to all of us for what we're doing to help each other beat this disease. If you have an ostomy and are experiencing leakage, that is not normal and you don't have to live with leakage. Feeling secure is important to be able to do the things you enjoy without worrying that you may have to deal with an embarrassing leak. Skin-friendly Brava Elastic Barrier Strips from Coloplast are designed to prevent the edges of your barrier from lifting and help to keep your barrier securely in place. They are elastic and are designed to move with you as you bend and stretch. The innovative Brava Elastic Barrier Strips from Coloplast are a skin-friendly alternative to tape and are available for you to try today. Don't let leakage rule the day. Call 1-855-430-9500 today to receive a free sample of Brava Elastic Barrier Strips. We had the Tampa Undie here uh, about two weeks ago. It was on the first Saturday of the month, October 4th. And I had the opportunity at the event 
to speak to one of the co-founders uh, of the Tampa Undie. Uh, it was because of Renee Frompkin that the um, Undie Run Walk happens here in Tampa. And this was the fifth year, as I stated on the last episode, it was such a great event, great turnout. We did a raise a terrific uh, amount of money to help support the University of South Florida Bridge Clinic. Uh, you may recall in a recent episode that I did with the director of the clinic, Dr. Frederick Sloan, telling all of us that if it wasn't for the funds raised at the Tampa Undie, the Bridge Clinic would not be able to do the colonoscopies that they do for those folks that need that care. So uh, so thank you to all the folks that came out. But uh, join me now as I have uh, for my interview that uh, we did at Al Lopez Park. You'll hear uh, some background noise, background music. We're outside, so uh, we've got a little ambiance going on with my short conversation with Renee. But here's Renee Fromkin talking about the Tampa Undie Run Walk. We are live at the Tampa Undie. The sun has not come up yet, and uh, I am here with Renee Fromkin. And Renee is the reason why the Undie is in Tampa. Renee, it's great to see you and have you here as you have been every year. How did you make this happen? And more importantly, why did you make this happen? This happened because I had no one to talk to about my cancer, colorectal cancer. And I said to Dr. Morissette, I heard about this strange thing, people running undies and, you know, would you be interested in it? And he said, do you want to do it with me? And I told him those would be the sorriest words he ever said. And that's exactly how it happened. So for two years, I gathered information. I took it on as a full-time job. And now we're in our fifth year of saving lives. Fantastic, fantastic. And you have someone special that I know is the main reason why you're here. Tell us about that. Okay. Uh, my sister and I were diagnosed with colorectal cancer about a week apart. She lived in California. Uh, she came out to take care of me and went back and was diagnosed with the same disease. Uh, unfortunately, she passed away 10 months after her diagnosis, and that's why I am on this This. I want everyone to have and get a colonoscopy because screening and early detection is the answer. And I miss her every day and every year when we do this, I look up at the sky and I say, this is for you, Paul, I love you. That's wonderful. Well, Renee, thank you for all that you do. Well, thank you, Lee, for all you do. You are a tremendous asset and you do a wonderful podcast. I love them. My pleasure, thanks again. A lot of other events going on in the colon cancer community that I want to share with you coming up on the 22nd, which if you're listening to this episode on the day it was released, which is Tuesday the 21st, we are talking about tomorrow evening. So Wednesday evening, February 22nd from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern time is a very informative webinar. It's titled The Latest in CRC, Colorectal Cancer. Findings from the recent 2017 ASCO GI Cancers Symposium. So ASCO stands for the American Society of Clinical Oncology, and this is their uh, annual conference, and uh, we're excited to share with you 
a lot of the new information, treatments, uh, clinical trials, this kind of thing, all kinds of great information. You don't want to miss this webinar. You can find out more about it on the Colon Cancer Alliance website at ccalliance.org. That, again, is taking place on Wednesday evening, February 22nd, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Coming up on Saturday, February 25th, is the next stop, stop number two for 2017 of the Undie Run Walk. We're going from Tampa all the way across to the West Coast to Sacramento, and that's the next stop of the Undie Run Walk at William Land Park at 9 a.m. Again, that's on Saturday, February the 25th. Uh, those of you that are into bowling, we've got a fun event coming up on Sunday afternoon in the Washington, D.C. area, Strikeout Colon Cancer Bowling Tournament. Uh, this event, again, takes place on Sunday, February the 26th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. at Pinstripes, and Pinstripes is located at 1064 Wisconsin Avenue Northwest in Washington, D.C. And then... How can we all not be tremendously excited about March? And March is our month. March is Colon Cancer Awareness Month, all kinds of great events. And as is the case every year, we kick it off with Friday, March 3rd, being Dress in Blue Day. Uh, there will be photo contests, dress up your dog contests, dress up your with your employees contests. We're going to have a lot of fun with this like we always do. Keep your eye on the Colon Cancer Alliance website under ccalliance.org forward slash events for more information, not only about Dress in Blue Day on Friday, March 3rd, but all of the other exciting events taking place throughout the month for Colon Cancer Awareness Month. If you have an ostomy or are undergoing chemotherapy, you know at times it can be a struggle to stay hydrated. That's where H2ORS can help. H2ORS is an oral rehydration solution, which is an over-the-counter electrolyte drink mix for dehydration. H2ORS is a medically accepted alternative to IV hydration. So for those of you who are struggling to stay hydrated due to an ostomy or chemotherapy, H2ORS can help replenish your fluid and electrolyte levels. It has three times the electrolytes of most sports drinks without the excess sugar, artificial flavors, or artificial colors. If you would like to try a free sample of H2ORS, go to h2ors.com sample and they'll ship one out to you. No strings or hidden costs attached. Also, when you make your first purchase at h2ors.com, if you use the code CCPOD, you will get 10% off your first order. My guest this week is Riley Castro. Riley has a fascinating story to share about her diagnosis, which happened 17 months into her pregnancy with her first child. It's a fascinating story, and I know you don't want to miss this. So join me now for my conversation with Riley Castro. Riley, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well, and how are you? Doing good. Well, I'm reading good. your story, and my mouth and my jaw is like on the floor. Here you are pregnant with your first child when you were diagnosed with colon cancer? Yes, I was 17 weeks along. My goodness, how did that come to be? Well, um, I found out I was pregnant 
in early November 2014 um, while the father of my child, my now husband, was deployed. And then I was having really bad abdominal pain and they kept telling me it was just because the baby was growing and I'm so small, blah, blah, blah. You know, like washing, brushing it off because I'm too young to have any other issue, right? And um, I finally go to the ER for like the third time for this issue and they do an ultrasound and they're like, well, we see a mass or something. We're just going to go in there real quick, quick with the, the, you know, laparoscopically and we'll just, you know, see what's going on. Um, and we think it's just a twisted ovary. So I was like, oh, okay. They're like, it's a 45 minute procedure. Um, if it's not that, then it's likely a cyst. It won't harm you or the baby. We'll just be in and out and call it good. And I was like, all right. So I sent a message to James and I was like, hey, this is happening. I'll have someone send you a message when we're done. And I woke up five hours later with an upside down T incision from my belly button down and a colostomy bag. And my mom at my bedside crying. So I was really confused. Um, I can imagine. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. And then five days after that is when we got the report that it was cancer. And what did the doctors tell you as far as the prognosis, not only for you, but for your baby? Well, I'm in a very small town that, not to take away from their degrees, but they're not very educated or experienced in a lot of things because the town is so small and not a lot of things, you know, we get sent out from here for bigger stuff. And so they're like, well, since you're pregnant and have colon cancer, you kind of got like struck by lightning and bit by a snake at the same time. And I was like, thanks, I guess. So they sent me to the next town, um, actually to a different state in Lubbock, Texas. And that's where they actually told me the stage and everything. Cause, and it was kind of tricky because they couldn't tell me the stage from a scan since I was pregnant. So the oncologist there had to call the surgeon back here and say, you know, what did you see? What did you do? You know, get the whole story. And she was like, yeah, based on what he said, you are stage four. And she kind of left it at that. And I had a high risk OBs on my team and they were very, I don't know, it came out oh, negative, I guess. Cause they, they came in and they're like, yeah, the statistics on it, you know, aren't very high. Um, we can get her through the pregnancy, no problem, but James, you might want to make arrangements to become a single father after the baby's here because we don't know how much longer she'll have. And so like that was a blow to the gut. And uh, my oncologist kind of corrected him pretty quickly and was like, yeah, statistics suck basically, but she's not a statistic. She's an individual. So we have no room to say that. So I knew right then and there, she, I wanted her to be my oncologist, but yeah. Um, they told me that the day I was being released from the hospital. So I went home with that on my mind. And then uh, a week after that, they were sending me to MD Anderson in Houston. So, I'm just thinking about the roller coaster of emotions. I mean, yeah. here it is: you're you're pregnant, you're excited about your first baby, mm -hmm. uh, probably all those things that new mothers are thinking of, from names to how we're going to decorate the room, and then mm -hmm. this happens. Yeah, and you know, your head must have just absolutely been spinning. Oh, yeah. And they gave me the option to terminate the pregnancy, which um, I appreciated the way they approached that. Um, they they told me that I could terminate or I could keep the baby because they've treated both 
you know, pregnant women or that, you know, they've terminated and then treated and they were very polite in the sense that they're like, you know, there's no judgment. We aren't going to hold anything against you. We'll do whatever you feel like they were just very nice about it. They didn't push one way or the other. And I know that's not always the case for some of the people that I've met in a similar situation as me. And I'm just very appreciative of that. But I said to them that if, you know, God wanted me to have her, um, then he'll have her make it through this with me. And if not, then it just wasn't meant to be. But at the time, I also didn't know her gender. So I guess it w- I wasn't super attached yet, if that makes sense. Like, I was happy I was having a baby, but, you know, we didn't have names and we didn't know gender. So um, I, see. I don't know. Yeah, if that makes sense. But it was still, I mean. Totally. Yeah. It's yeah. still like. I was just like, well, what can't I do if I keep her? Because, you know, my mom is in the room and she's like, you know, I want you to save your life because I'm her daughter, you know. So um, I weighed my options and I definitely I'm very happy with my choice uh, of starting chemo while I was pregnant. And my daughter's just fine now. She has no lasting effects or side effects or, you know, abnormalities or anything from the chemo. So um, very thankful Um, for that. Sure. What's her name? Brielle. Brielle, what a pretty name. Thank you. So, Did they tell you that there could be uh, effects from the chemo that could impact the, the baby? Yeah, um, they did, but I think it was more of a coverall and a liability thing because they said, you know, we don't know what could come of it. The main thing they did expect was under uh, her being underweight, but um, we looked at that. Oh, and her lung development, because if she were born early, then her lungs wouldn't be fully developed. Um, But I was going to have her early anyways because of starting treatment. Or if I didn't start treatment, I was going to have her early to start treatment. So we were already prepared for her to be underweight and needing help um, developing her lungs. How early was she delivered? Uh, Five weeks early. Oh, that's not too bad. No, and um, it was actually, I think a week or two before the date we had set, I just became, I just had eclampsia and I had two seizures and I had to be life lighted uh, back to Lubbock and they induced me and I had her there the next day. Boy, you have been through it. Yeah, I like to do things in you know, a fun way. Yeah. <laughs> so not to keep people hanging, but let's fast forward to today. Uh-huh. How's your health? Um, as, for, as of now, I'm, I'm in remission. Um, have been in remission since February of last year. So I'm coming up on my year mark. I get my next scans February 20, the 20th, actually. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping for the, for the same result from that, obviously, but yeah. So I heard, uh, and it was, uh, Bill Ramey is the one that connected me to your story. Uh-huh. And he said, you've got to talk to Riley. But I understand that you formed a little bit of a, a bond and friendship because you're not the only one that's been through this type situation, are you? No. Um, Bill Bill is great. I don't know. I, I kind of cling to him. He's like my grandpa of the group, I guess. I don't know. I like talking to him. He always makes me feel better when I have like my paranoia of the cancer coming back. He, he kind of and brings me back back down um so i become pretty close with him i would say for not having met someone in person and a couple other people that i've met to the group i've got to actually meet in person and i hope to do that with more people but um yeah one girl in particular amanda she was in my shoes uh, a couple months after i was diagnosed and 
I got to go up for her daughter's first birthday last November, um, right before I spoke with you before. And, uh, yeah, I was really excited because we actually clicked really, really well. And so now we keep in touch and, you know, I was there to be there for a big milestone for her daughter and everything. How cool is that? Well, uh, you're not the first that I've interviewed with this same story. Uh, about a year, year and a half ago, I interviewed a young lady, exact same story from Pittsburgh. Her name is Betsy Henson. And uh-huh. uh, same thing, uh, same thing, diagnosed while she was pregnant, oh, wow. surgery, chemo. And uh, I remember as I'm interviewing her, uh, her the father of her baby, I think, was working, something like that. So she was home alone with the baby. And all you could hear was in the background was the baby cooing and hiccuping. <laughs> and it was the sweetest thing. So you've got a little group going on, which is amazing. And Bill said, I had to ask you what you, I think he took credit uh, for what you (laughs) named your your group, your Facebook group. Yes, I have a little group for women who were diagnosed with cancer while they were pregnant. And yes, Bill did come up with the name and I loved it. And it's called Knocked Up But Not Out. And I just thought it was perfect for my sense of humor and yeah, it's great. <laughs> Knocked up but not out. That's yes. that's that's terrific. Yes. Well, well, great. And uh, was your now husband? Was he there? He was deployed when all this was going on. Kind of uh, fill in the blanks there for us. Yeah, yeah. He was deployed. He uh, left end of October. I found out beginning of November. I was pregnant. End of January, uh, I found out about the cancer. And he was still deployed in this time. And thankfully, his job found out about it. And, or I think he told someone while he was deployed. And they sent him back early to be with me. He spent the last week I was in the hospital uh, with me. And then he got to skip um, all depl- the deployments for a year to be there with me through treatment and surgeries. And so he was there for me the, with me the whole time I was getting treatment and stuff. And he deployed again. Um, right before our daughter's first birthday last year. So he missed the beginning of the pregnancy and our daughter's first birthday, but he was there for the, the more difficult parts. So that, that still has to be tough. Where do you turn for support? Oh, he's going to leave again <laughs> yeah. uh, before your next scan. Yeah. Before my year mark, right? No. <laughs> oh goodness. So where do you turn for support? My parents, um, thankfully I live right down the road from them. They're a huge support too. Um, they help with my daughter whenever I need the help. They take me to appointments whenever James isn't here to take me or if I need someone to drive me. So um, they're definitely there just as much as he is. They're just not living in the same house. <laughs> I see. Yeah. Well, this is uh, a terrific story with what so far is a fantastic, happy ending. And um, y- you, you've you been through it. So I always like to ask folks that um, get the pl- honor and privilege of interviewing Riley. If someone's listening to our conversation, uh, chances are they're not in your situation, but uh, they have that fear when they hear those three words, you have cancer. Oh, absolutely. Uh, what, what, What words of advice would you share? Find a support group, definitely. Like that's the best thing I did for myself. Um, because you have all these questions and sure, I mean, you have the oncologists and the nurses and stuff to ask these questions to you, but they're not going to tell you how to emotionally handle your marriage or your friendships or, you know, how to tell your kids or, you know, what's normal to feel and what's not. And these people in these support groups have 
been in your shoes and if not, they've been in it, you know, a year prior so they can walk you through it. And then someone else is going to come in the group that is where you were when you started. And now you're able to give advice and, you know, that kind of, you know, gives you like, Oh, Hey, you know, I'm here to help someone else too. And, you know, makes you feel good and gives you that extra fight as well at the same time. Um, to, you know, not only are you needing help, but you're also able to give that help to someone else. So finding a support group is probably like the biggest thing and, um, asking questions and advocate for yourself. If you know something's not right, then something's probably not right, even though the doctors give you reasons otherwise, because so many times misdiagnoses happen, especially with colon cancer. And here you are, you know, late stages and you're like, oh, that could have been caught two years ago. That's great. So. Especially for younger folks like yourself. Yeah. 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 So yeah. That's, that's probably like the biggest advice I have is. Yeah, advocating for yourself and definitely finding a support group. That's great advice. Well, Riley, I, I appreciate you doing this. And uh, you referred in the middle of our conversation, some people might be scratching your head going, wait a oh, minute, yeah. what do you mean you <laughs> talked before? So I'll, I will publicly, publicly <laughs> confess that we did an interview back in November. And, uh, you know, uh, to, for our listeners, you've heard the expression, the dog ate my homework. Well, in this case, the computer ate my interview. <laughs> so <laughs> it was, it was a Riley was round, gracious was enough to, <laughs> to do this interview a second time. So that's what she was referring to when she said, oh, when we talked the last time. So, uh, yeah. So thank you so much. But all kidding aside, uh, your one year is coming up. And mm -hmm. just want to let you know that we're thinking about you my scans a week after yours yes so we'll, we'll virtually hold hands through that one absolutely a and uh you know for your daughter brielle uh for your for your husband who i would be remiss without uh saying especially when you look at the sacrifice that's mm -hmm. going on in your house uh thank him for his service to our country as well that's that's very important and just continue good health and good things for you and your family thank you take care it's time for Ask the Doctor, where your questions about colorectal cancer are answered by Dr. Laura Porter. Dr. Porter is the medical advisor and senior patient advocate for the Colon Cancer Alliance. Dr. Laura, how are you today? Very good, Lee. Thank you. And you? I'm doing well. So today's question seems obvious, but it does come up often, and that is, I hear the term colon cancer, rectal cancer, colorectal cancer, and even anal cancer. What is the difference between them, and are they treated differently? So um, most colon and rectal cancers are from the same cell types, and the cancer is called adenocarcinoma. So these are basically cells that produce um, uh, mucus. They're glandular cells. So the anatomy of the colon and rectum are different, and therefore the treatments are slightly different. The rectum is in a small defined area that has lots of nerves and blood vessels near it. Therefore, shrinking the tumor before surgery by doing chemo radiation can cause less damage to the surrounding structures. The treatment is slightly different in that colon cancer patients rarely have radiation and rectal cancer patients usually do. The timing of surgery may also differ. Rectal cancer patients, as I said, may have chemo radiation before surgery. The chemotherapy and biologics are typically the same, 
although there's been a noted difference in response to biologics based on which side the tumor is on, whether it's on the right side, which is the side that connects to the small intestines, or on the left side, which is where the rectum is. So um, now the question of anal cancer. Anal cancer arises in a different cell type than the typical colon and rectal cancers, and it is called squamous cell carcinoma. It is treated with different drugs than colon and rectal cancer. Now, it's important to know that some colon and rectal cancers may also be squamous cell and would therefore be treated with the same treatments as anal cancer. So it's important to know what the cell type is. Not, not so much for you, but the doctor needs to know. So if your treatment is different than what you hear other people talking about, it's important to ask what the type of cells are, and that could give you an indication. Great, Dr. Laura. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Colon Cancer Podcast presented by Coloplast. And thank you to our sponsors, Coloplast and H2ORS, for your support. The Colon Cancer Podcast is a proud supporter of Genie's Blue Angels, providing financial support to those affected by colorectal cancer. Thanks for listening to the Colon Cancer Podcast, presented by Coloplast. Notes from this episode can be found on our website at thecoloncancerpodcast.com. To subscribe to the podcast, please visit thecoloncancerpodcast.com forward slash subscribe. If you or a loved one has a question about colon cancer, please visit the Colon Cancer Alliance website at ccalliance.org. Again, that's ccalliance.org. Thanks again for listening. Be well, everyone.